This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. It's young Van Pugh, baby. And you know that. Let's get it. The Browns gonna be the Browns. And they're not the Browns you used to because they got a man named Baker Mayfield. That's a bar. But seriously, though, man. Ever since they drafted Baker, they've won at least six games a year. See, where were they before that? Winless, one win, drafting Johnny Manziel. Like, what were they doing? They were trash. And y'all try to say they were trash with Baker Mayfield. But I'm here to tell you right now that the Browns are coming. The Browns are coming. There's a reason why their fans are a little overconfident. I can see why. But it's all good. In the hood or in the land because they are like that. But, you know, it just wasn't enough this past Sunday. It just wasn't enough. Even with Patrick Mahomes getting knocked out of the game, it wasn't really a dirty hit. The more I look at it, the less I think that was a dirty hit by Mac Wilson. I mean, it looked like he twisted Mahomes' uh, head around. He didn't. He had his jersey. Mama Bear Mahomes was a little upset, called Mac Wilson the devil, called him evil, and Mac Wilson apologized, and she apologized back. That was a wholesome exchange. I I like that. But the Browns going to be the Browns, and it's not the same. They beat the Steelers two times in a row. The first time, we all thought, oh, it was a fluke, man. You know, Big Ben wasn't playing, and yada, yada. Let me find out they played even worse the next week with Big Ben and got down 28 to nothing. Dog, this reminds me of when they lost to the Jaguars. I think it was two years ago, three years ago. They lost to the Jaguars, and they got behind really early, and then they, and then Big Ben threw for a lot of yards, tried to bring them back, but they couldn't. That's exactly what that game was like. And Nick Chubb running that ball, man, he, he liked that. Baker Mayfield, you know, he, he, he ain't throwing for 300, 400 yards. That, that's cool and all, you know. But um, he's not turning the ball. He only threw one interception this postseason. He didn't throw that many interceptions this entire season. You know, they got a balanced attack, which is why if they could just keep that going. And they could if they could play a little bit better on defense, they did just enough against the Chiefs to stay in the game. But it wasn't enough. I mean, Chiefs were still pretty much moving down the field. But the Chiefs, you know, made some plays to keep them in it. But the defense isn't that good. <laughs> I mean, for real. The play that really hurt them was that goal line dive by Higgins, who I had on FanDuel. My FanDuel team didn't do that well because I decided to start Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, that was terrible. I should have read the depth chart. But Higgins tried to dive, and he got hit, and he fumbled. And everyone was mad about that rule about the ball going back to the defense when the ball goes out of bounds in the end zone. I never really challenged that rule. I never really thought it was a dumb rule. I thought it was just is what it is. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, oh, right. They should put it back at the one-yard line or the two-yard line. I just never really thought about that. I never really thought about that. I just thought, you know, it is what it is. Offense lost the ball. You got to take care of the ball. And a lot of people said that. But I, I think they should put it back at the one. I, I think I think that's better. 
Because everywhere else on the field, it's down at the spot. But, you know, it is what it is. They lost the ball. They had another critical turnover, but they got lucky on that one because the Chiefs missed the field goal. How do you not stop Chad Henney, by the way, on a third and 14? This is your season. You got everybody covered, but you let Chad Henney run for 14 yards. How in the world do you let that happen? Pretty much a first down, and then you let a sprint rollout happen. I'm pretty sure you've seen that on tape like 50 million times. And then you lose. The Browns just not there yet, but hey, I like how they played. It was a good try, and the Browns going to be the Browns, and they are a big threat to win the division next year. And a tough competition in that division, but they have a good chance, especially with the Steelers looking shaky. And the Bengals still not there yet. And the Ravens, the Ravens still going to be good, but we'll see. We'll see. Okay, let me go through the other games real quick. The Rams lost by 14 in Lambeau to the Packers. Aaron Rodgers just, just did what he usually does. I mean, 23 for 36, 296 yards, two touchdowns. Packers rushed for 188. Aaron Jones was eaten. Every other play, I saw him busting a big run. I mean, come on. Did we really believe? Did we really believe? Did we really believe that the Rams were going to beat the Packers? The Packers were just a better team. Uh, The Rams didn't have enough on offense to really keep up with the Packers. And, you know, even though the Rams had, what, the number one, number two defense, you're going against Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah. (laughs) So, it's going to be tough for you regardless. Now, Jared Goff, he didn't turn the ball over, but he was 21 for 27, 174 yards and a touchdown. Now, I wrote in my notes, is he nerfed? Nerf means basically a diminished version of a, of a player. I, I say that all the time. I got that from my Madden League. Was he nerfed? Is he just not the same because of his thumb? Were they afraid to throw it downfield because of his thumb? Or did the Packers just really... Uh, cover well. They probably did that too, and they were getting to Jared Goff. That pass rush was really getting to him. I didn't write down the sacks, but that every every other time I saw him drop back, he was under pressure. And Jared Goff ain't a mobile quarterback, so you know he was in trouble. Well, Packers won. I mean, they host the NFC Championship against... I might as well segue into this. I was going to go in order, but... uh. Bucks and Saints. The Bucks won. Uh, the Bucks will be at Lambeau next week. Tom Brady versus Rodgers, and we're going to hear who's better, Brady versus Rodgers. We're going to keep hearing that all week. Going to see who's the GOAT, yada, yada. Of course I say Brady, maybe because I'm biased, because, I mean, Rodgers is really talented, but Brady, six wins, clutch. I got a, a six Super Bowls. Clutch. I gotta, I gotta go with him. I want and I want Brady to win. Yeah, I kinda wanna shut down my friend Emily, who's a big Packers fan. Of course I do. <laughs> Even though we don't talk as much these days. I'd love to shut her down. And then uh and, and have Brady I I know people are sick of Brady. I'd rather him win a seventh title than to see Rodgers win again. I mean than to see Rodgers win. Or Mahomes win. I know it sounds bad, but I'm just saying. Or, you know, if we can't have any of that, I would love to see the Bills win and 
they finally get that title that has eluded them so many times. Now, I might as well segue into that. The Bills beat the Ravens. What really impressed me was their defense. Their defense was very impressive. The way they pressured Lamar Jackson, the way they covered their receivers, their receivers weren't getting open. I don't know if it's because their receivers suck or the Bills' defense was just really that good. And with coverage like that, it was definitely easy to get to Lamar Jackson and make life miserable for him. I guess what kept the Ravens in the game is that they rushed for 150 yards. So they were able to keep it low scoring. But what really hurt them is that red zone interception by Lamar Jackson that went for six. Like, I think that was Hyde. Uh, Micah Hyde, I believe. Oh, my God. Terrible throw. I don't know what he was looking at. Well, no, 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 no. He had Mark Andrews, right? He broke free for like a second. And then like two people just closed in and and one of the guys picked it off and he ran it all the way back. Wow. And, and an interesting stat here is the Ravens were 7 for 17 on third down. So that, that kept the, the drives rolling. But 0 for 2 on fourth down, 0 for 3 in the red zone, including that pick. And some missed field goals by Justin Tucker. I mean, it's just they missed a lot of opportunities. They had eight penalties for 59 yards. Bills 2 for 11. I don't know if that's bad ref play or bad ref play. (laughs) I don't know if that's bad officiating or the Bills just being more disciplined. Whatever it was, it you know, they were able to not go backwards (laughs) or give the, the offense yards on defense. Free yards on defense. So, hey, Bills won. They took care of business. Lamar Jackson got knocked out of the game. Just like Mahomes with a concussion. And I hope he's okay. I hope he's okay. Hopefully he gets over that and he comes back and he, you know, finally gets to the AFC Championship, maybe the Super Bowl. But if the Browns going to be the Browns, I don't know. That's going to be hard. And, of course, the Chiefs are, are still going to be there. Yeah, you better watch out for the Colts if they get a quarterback. And the Bills are going to be there as long as they got Josh Allen. So it's a tough competition, but uh, we'll see. But uh, so far, as far as this year is concerned, the conference championships, let's see. I got the Chiefs winning uh, too much firepower, 30-20, to 30-20 next week. They're at home. They'll get Mahomes back. Way too much firepower. I got them winning 30-20. to 20. Uh, As far as Bucks and Packers, my gut tells me Packers is a better team. Uh, Even though the Bucks blew them out in a regular season, that was the best game the Bucks played all season. That's not going to happen again, especially in the playoffs. It's going to be a lot closer. But I really want Brady to win, and I think he gets it done. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say 27, 24 Bucks. I'm just going to claim it. And hopefully we get that uh, Bucks versus, I guess we'll get Bucks versus Chiefs rematch in Tampa Bay. That was an actual game in a regular season in which the Chiefs won, but they was fooling around and almost gave up the game. They were clearly the better team, but they was fumbling around and they didn't get a key third down late in the game. Brady steals that game. So that rematch in the Super Bowl would be great. I know y'all want to see out-of-this-world quarterback play from Rodgers and Mahomes, but no, I'm I'm good. I'm good on that. 
Uh, just just one of those guys is fine. <laughs> just one of those guys is fine. Just all great quarterback. I mean, I would love to see Bills versus Bucks. That would be best case scenario. But I, I, I'm sure it's either gonna be it's either gonna be Packers Chiefs or Chiefs Bucks. I, I can't see the the Bills winning. So NFL playoffs going great. NFL playoffs are going great. Oh, and Devin White had 11 tackles and an interception against the Saints. I guess let me let me talk more about that game. Like the Breeze interceptions. Like that that was surprising. I guess the Buccaneers after two times getting blown out, they finally figured out how to stop them. It also helped that Breeze doesn't really throw downfield anymore. So they were really on them. They were really physical with their receivers and that that really helped as well. Devin White had 11 tackles in the interception. He went off. And it's just Brady and and Fournette and Jones, they, they were just making clutch plays on offense, and they weren't turning the ball over. They won the turnover battle, and that's how they won. And you know what I'm saying? They can do that against – if they can do that against the um, Packers, they'll be fine. And Michael Thomas had no catches, no yards, but I'll give him a pass because he was hurt, and he's been hurt all season. So I'll give him that break. But if next year he's healthy and he's not catching anything and he got a decent quarterback, he's not that good then. But I think I think this was a fluke year. He was hurt most of the year. And he had suspect quarterback play. So I'll, I'll give him a break. I'll give him a break. Even though he kind of deserves the, the trash talk because, you know, how, how I'd be crying on Twitter and stuff and how I'd be trash talking on Twitter. He deserves the uh, criticism, but I'm going to leave him alone. I'm going to leave him alone. All right, so now the James Harden trade. So big trade happened, I guess, last week, like right after I put out the episode. Right after I put out my uh, last episode, James Harden got traded to the Nets. I think the final straw was he basically said we're not, the Rockets aren't good enough. He did all he could. He's not good enough. And I'm sure that just destroyed the locker room right there. It was like, no, he's got to go. He's causing too much problems. I don't think we can play with this guy anymore. He got to go. So they sped up the talks with the Sixers and the Nets, and it looks like the Nets had a better package, and they had a four-way deal. And Karis LeVert, I I mean, they traded Karis LeVert, man. I think he was a really solid piece, but ended up being a blessing because they found that mass in his uh, in his body, so they're going to have to treat that. So that, that ended up being a blessing for him. Hopefully it's not cancerous. Um, Jared Allen with the Cavs, and they're like five centers. <laughs> they flip Karis LeVert on the Rockets for Victor Oladipo, and Victor Oladipo got 32 in his Rockets debut. Oladipo and Wall. That's kind of a that's kind of a diet version of Wall and Bill, but if they can make that work, the Rockets will be in the playoffs. Uh, they probably still has a ways to to go, but that's yeah, they'll be in the playoffs if if they can make that work. Let's see, uh, Harden. First thing I thought when this trade happened was like the Nets don't play on defense; they're bottom five defensive team. Bottom 10 at best. And they add a guy that can score but don't play on defense. I was hype at first. When I first heard it, I yelled. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Let's go. 
I was like, man, you gotta be kidding me. I can't believe this happened. There had been rumors all season that he was gonna go to the next or the Sixers, and then it finally happened. I just wanna see how it goes. I wanna see how much fun this is gonna be. I wanna see how many points Durant, Irving, and um, Harden gonna score. I wanna see if they can go to the finals. At their potential, if they play to their potential, they're going to the finals. The way things look on paper, we are on a collision course for a Nets and Lakers finals. KD and LeBron, of course. That would be great, and it would be great ratings. But here's the thing. You better look out. You better look out for the Bucks. The Bucks are right there with the Nets. The Nets are second in points per game. Guess who's first? The Wizards. What's the names in third? The Bucks are in third. So I think, no, wait. Yeah, the Bucks are second and the Nets are third in points per game. Uh, Harden has scored 30 points in both of his games with the Nets. And one of them was against the Bucks, which I got to watch the highlights of that because I didn't get to watch it because I was watching All-American and playing 2K. Um, but I, I watched that. And he had a 30-point triple-double his first game with the Nets, Harden. And Durant scoring 30, it, I just want to see how it looks when Kyrie Irving is in the mix. Whenever he comes back, whenever he gets his conditioning back, it's going to be a show. Now, can they play defense, though? Can they play defense? That is the thing. If they can't play defense, they're not going to get past the Bucks. They might not get past the Sixers. I think they got too much firepower for the Sixers. But the Bucks, that's what you got to look out for. Giannis, too. But, but if Giannis can't shoot, I mean... <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. It, it should be fun. Urban Meyer with the Jaguars after he said he wasn't going to coach again. So I started calling him Urban Liar. I'm sure people started calling him that. People been calling him that for years. I really thought he wasn't going to coach again. I thought he didn't have I thought he didn't have the health to coach again. But here he is in the NFL. I don't know who convinced him to go to the NFL, but here he is in the NFL. And he's going to get Trevor Lawrence. This is going to be a hell of a project. Let's see how it goes. Let's see if he can last in the NFL. Is he going to go out like Nick Saban, or is he going to be like Pete Carroll? Is he going to go out like Chip Kelly, or is he going to be like Jimmy Johnson? Oh, man, if he's like Jimmy Johnson, oh, my God. He's going to be one of the best coaches ever. <laughs> I mean, ever. So, listen, man. Uh, Wow, let's see what happens. Uh, It's probably going to be in between. I think he's going to do okay. Uh, But if they're underachieving, best believe he's gone in like three years. At least. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, Doug Peterson. Now, Doug Peterson got fired from the Eagles. It, it just looked like he should be fired. Once I heard the stuff about... Uh, players not really agreeing with benching uh, Jalen Hurts in the fourth quarter. I mean, the time to play Nate Sudfeld was the start of the second half, or you just should have started him to begin with. But to put him in the game late in the fourth quarter when we have a chance to win, and you know you're dealing with guys who are competitors. They don't want to lose nothing. They don't want to lose at nothing. They don't care about draft picks. If they're rebuilding and they're getting draft picks, that means they're going to lose their jobs. That means jobs will be lost 
if you're trying to get higher draft picks and, and trying to rebuild. So, of course, they want to win and not lose their job. But they knew coming in that Subfield was going to play. I guess they just didn't expect him to play late in the game. But y'all know the story. Man, it just looked like the team was a mess. Like, when Andy Reid's last year, when they went 4-12, and I was like, the team looked awful. They got blown out by the Giants. I, Yeah, he had to go. That was perfect. Then... Chip Kelly, after a bad year, he made a ton of risky decisions, made a ton of risky moves, and it didn't pan out, and we didn't make the playoffs. And, you know, I was like, after we lost to the Redskins, and they, um, Redskins at the time, they're the Washington sitcom now, but um, (laughs) when they won the division on our field, and I was at the game, and I was heartbroken, and I was like, this team doesn't look good. This team looks a mess. So he had to go. So Chip Kelly had to go. Then we lose Washington again at the end of the season. In 2020, all these risky decisions and going forward and and that fiasco at the end and and the thing with Carson Wentz all season, how he regressed. We supposed to be better than what we were. So he had to go. He had to go, too. Doug Peterson will land on his feet, man. He won a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, I'm really appreciative for what he did for the Eagles. And, you know, getting the Eagles to the playoffs three straight years, including a Super Bowl. But it's time to go. Time to go. I was thinking he he would have one more year tops. He didn't even get that. It was that bad, bro. We was damn near 4-12. and 12. Oh, God. I'm just saying. Now, the Caps. The Caps are back. The Caps are back. All right. Uh, They started this season last week. They started off by beating the Sabres. They beat them in a close game. They were up 4-1. And then all of a sudden, it's 5-3. They give up a goal. And all of a sudden, we're in a situation where they're pulling their goalie and they're trying to they're trying to steal this game from us. But we get that empty netter, thank God, and we win that game. I heard that on the radio, thank God. I was fist pumping and everything while I was in, in the lift drive. Next game, we, we debuted a backup goalie, and the Capitals did great. They, they won like 2-1, 3-1, I believe. And I'm like, wait a minute now. This man gave up four goals. Our starting goalie, Sam Sonoff, gave up four goals. And this guy gave up one. In the very next game, the game I watched in Columbus with my good friend. A hell of a game. Another classic Penguins-Caps game that went back and forth. Another game we shouldn't have been close. Should have won that game. Ovi scored a goal. Should have had about two or three some stuff rimmed out and another one he tried to go between the legs and it didn't go man that was a bs game i'm I'm gonna tell you this right now sam sonoff gave up another four goals and the game winning uh goal in 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 the shootout so the caps are 2-0-1 and they're winning 4-3 right now against the penguins as as i speak by the time i put out this episode You'll already know who won. It'll most likely be the Capitals. Strong start. Strong start to this season. 
You know, I miss not, you know, I miss, we're going to miss playing Columbus and uh, I think one other team, I think it was Carolina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to miss playing Carolina and Columbus, but whatever. We'll see them soon. Maybe in the playoffs. Well, we'll see. But this Vanacek Samsonov thing, we just got to see how that develops. I, You know, I can't really get too hyped out of a small sample sample size. And it seems like I'm going to just assume that Samsonov's a better goalie, but I got to watch that. Because, you know, if he getting outplayed by the backup, just play the freaking backup. Just saying. I mean, I'm trying to win games. I'm trying to get another Stanley Cup. All right. Uh, let's see. The Wizards. The Wizards. Trash. Three and eight. And sure enough, you know, Westbrook, is out. Westbrook was out. Bradley Bill was out at one point. He comes back shortly. He, he has a mediocre game. And we still blow out the Suns by 21. And then what happens after they blow out the Suns by 21? They get bodied by COVID. Six players and three staff members. Are you kidding me, bro? Just like that. Have a big game. Get hit by the COVID. You catch the COVID L, like I said before. They catch the big COVID L, like they are, like they haven't suffered enough L's already. Uh, they get another one from COVID. Um, you know, you know. Hopefully, everyone recovers and everyone's safe and everyone is uh doing fine. And hopefully, they get back and play on Thursday or Friday against Milwaukee. Hopefully, for the sake of my fantasy team, at least. It's like nah, it's like nah. But no, man, I hope they come back. They have, they they got their last five games postponed after finally winning the game. It's, it's crazy, man. It's been a frustrating season. I almost want to give up this season and call it a wash and, and expect Bradley Bill to get traded. But, you know, maybe I'll be patient. Let them get over COVID and, and kind of recruit this season, and hopefully we can do something. If not, just tank and we'll get Jalen Suggs or, or Kay Cunningham. And we can rebuild. I'm cool with that too. Okay. I mean, we'll we'll see. I I root for my team, but they oh man, this is bad. This is a bad start to the season. So now it's time for <laughs> the Sooner Schooner. Dog, I wasn't even gonna do a Sooner Schooner. But, you know, I, I saw some OU news in recruiting. I had to talk about that. Uh, Caleb Williams is dual enrolling in, at my uh, rival high school, Gonzaga, who <laughs> last time I played him in high school, beat him, just saying. Uh, but, unfortunately, that's literally the last time we beat that team was when I was on the field. That, that sucks. That was 11 years ago. <laughs> anyway. He's dual enrolled here in D.C. at Gonzaga. They're probably not meeting. They're probably doing online classes. And he's enrolled at OU. And he's in Norman as we speak. Cool. So he's getting started. It's day one, day two, whatever. Let's get it going, man. Uh, Day by day. Take it day by day. Get better every day. And you know, uh, when it's your time, it's your time. I know you ready. Let's get it. Let's get it. I'm happy for that kid, man. He, he repping my city. He repping my conference. And hopefully he helps bring the Sooners a title. He has the right attitude. 
Now let's see if he can produce on the field. And Wanya Morris, transferred from Tennessee, five-star. Their coach got fired, and he transferred over to us. That is awesome. You can't have too many good offensive linemen. I'll take them. We definitely need the linemen for this monster of an offense we have. I'm just saying. I'm glad that I'm glad that we have him. I'm excited. I need to watch some highlights. And you know this is looking good. I'm I'm, I'm smiling. Maybe we'll maybe we have some more transfers and JUCOs coming in. Already top ten in recruiting because of course we are. We're Oklahoma. So hey, let's get it, man. Let's get it. When it comes to OU basketball, they are seven and four now, eight and four because I started recruiting at the end of the Oklahoma Kansas State game, which was a funny game because Oklahoma. I started watching. It was seventeen sixteen. Then they gave up a six nothing run where Kerr Kef. Yeah, that's that's how you say it. Kerr Kef just bricked a few shots. Got some. Floater shot over him, got big boyed on another layup, and all of a sudden it's 22-17. I look down, trying to prepare for the show. I'll look up again. It's 33-22 Sooners. And then the next thing you know, it's freaking 40-24 to Sooners. And then they just blow this team away. They went on a 16-2 run. Then they went on a 12-0 run. And then they finished. They were down five. And the next thing you know, they won by 26. I'm glad they are blowing out teams that are inferior and are competing with teams who are good like Kansas and Baylor. Okay, Baylor is just too much. But Kansas, we should have beat Kansas. I don't know what happened. I mean, we choked. We should have we been playing Oklahoma State, but they had COVID. We'll, we'll get them. We'll, we'll get them. But they blew out TCU at home. They blew out Kansas State. You're supposed to do that. Cool, we did that. And we got Texas coming up. We got Texas Tech. We got Alabama. I don't know how good Alabama is. It don't matter. We should body them regardless. And let's see, man. I like this team. Eight and four, and they're on the outside looking in for the tournament. But if they get some more ranked wins, oh, if they win at Texas Tech, they're in. I don't care what none of y'all say. They in. I don't care. I don't care. The only way you not get in after that is if you lose twice to, like, Oklahoma State, which is not going to happen because I'm pretty sure they're at best just as good as we are, but I'm pretty sure we're better. They just got Kate Cunningham. That's what might give them an edge in a game, but mm -mm, we we should beat them. And you know what's funny about the TCU game? They outscored them 48-24 in the second half, and – and with this Kansas State game, Kansas State only scored 26 points in the second half. Blew them out, too. Taking care of business. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, now I'm going to hop off the Sooner Schooner and quickly talk about Howard. They lost to Queens. They lost to George Mason. Queens is a D2 school. Bellarmine is an Atlantic Sun D1 school. They're barely D1. They beat them. But, hey, guess what? They beat Hampton because they're the real HU. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking that side in the HU rivalry because I'm, I'm local and my godbrother played for them, so might as well. But Howard's still trash, and they haven't played in over a month. 
Uh, they supposed to play Delaware State soon, and Maker Maker should be back. So let's start seeing this season turn around, and then hopefully, if there's a Miac tournament, they can surprise some people because they'll have good shooting, and Maker Maker will be unstoppable because he's freaking seven three or something like that, and he'll dominate, and they'll go all the way to the tournament, which they'll then they'll probably get picked off in the first four. But hey, hey. At least they'll be there. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, and by the way, they lost all their games by double digits. They lost to Belmont. No shame in that. They're a really good program. Yeah, but Howard trash. But once again, I can still see it. I- I'm still optimistic that they could make the tournament once again. Because Howard will win the MEAC championship. And you know that. <laughs> Just, just watch, man. Just watch. Now, speaking of the All-American, the game I decided to watch instead of the end of Milwaukee and Brooklyn. No, actually, I was playing 2K during that, but still, I, I didn't watch it. But anyway, the All-American is back. It's one of my favorite shows. It's one of my favorite, like, non-ESPN, Fox Sports things that I watch. And, you know, I love it. Uh, it's back. It's, it's all about this... Uh, <laughs> It's all, they they created storylines over, you know, what happened in the summer. Like, apparently Spencer and Olivia had something going on. And it's it's obvious that Spencer clapped cheeks. And they're trying to hide it because Olivia, I guess she felt bad about it. And Spencer was like, there is something there. I clapped cheeks. You don't just let me clap cheeks without... There's some being it. Patience. What's the name? Uh, Coop's girlfriend left tour early. Freaking Tyrone's. Tyrone's sister is back on the block, but she a lawyer, a fine lawyer, by the way. Damn. Like, like, damn. Damn! Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Billy Baker got to deal with some superintendent that he bullied back in the day and you know the, the all american bringing it and then you know you got cam who used to play with with uh freaking crenshaw uh i don't know if i'm spoiling it it don't matter y'all probably don't watch it anyway but anyway uh, whatever you you got cam they used to play with crenshaw now he playing with another rival school that they ain't even that good well, they okay, but they're going to be a force, I guess, because they got Cam now. But, you know, you're not messing with Spencer. You're not messing with Beverly Hills High, who Spencer left to, to join his old school with, with Billy Baker. It's going to be interesting, man. It's only, damn, it's only episode one. But, hey, I know finally know where the CW channel is, and I'll be tuning in every Monday night like it's Monday Night Football. Haha, <laughs> and you all... Already know that. <laughs> yeah. I love the All-American, man. For real. All right. I kind of skipped over something. Let's get into who was the worst national champion in the BCS era. So let's get rid of every undefeated team. So this is the BCS era. BCS and CFP era was pretty much every season from 1997 on. Because BCS started in 1997. Okay, so let's get rid of all the undefeated teams that were not, except except 2002 Ohio State and 2010 Auburn. Boom. That's, so what we're left with is 2017 Alabama, 
They played four road games. They only played four road games. They lost to Auburn. They almost lost to A&M and Mississippi State, but they still won because uh, Tua with that throw. I like them so much because they knocked off Georgia. Georgia stole the fucking Rose Bowl from my Sooners, so I'm glad Alabama knocked them off. 2016 Clemson. See, the whole reason why I'm doing this segment is because R.J. Young did a post, asked like, or he was, I guess, wondering who's the worst BCS CP, CFP champion in the last, I guess, 24 years. Or 14 years. No, 24, 24. And most people said 2007 LSU. And I was thinking 2007 LSU. I was thinking 2002 Ohio State. And I was going through it. And I'm pretty much, they're definitely in consideration. But look at this 2016 Clemson team. They got lucky in the title game. That was a pick. That that shouldn't have happened. That that play shouldn't have counted. They shouldn't be champions. But, they're, but they are. So they had Deshaun Watson. They only lost the game. They lost the pit. But they had close games with Auburn, Troy, NC State, Louisville, Virginia Tech. They were overrated. So, they're up there. I think my final answer, honestly, is the same thing I tweeted. 2002 Ohio State or 2007 LSU. But you got to consider 2010 Auburn. Uh, Cam rushed for 1,400 yards. He only threw for like, he threw for less than 3,000, which is crazy. He threw 30 touchdowns. They have pretty much no names on offense. Three NFL players other than Cam was on that team. So a lot of people said 2010 Auburn. But, man, they rushed for a lot of yards. And their defense was pretty good. Like, the the thing that is common with these teams, they don't give up that many points. All these teams. 2002 Ohio State, I really want to say it's them. I mean, look at all the notes I got in here. They're 41st in points per game. Maurice Corrette. As much hype as he had, he only had 1,200 yards. Krenzel only had 2,100 yards passing. But the reason why they were even in the championship, they had the second-ranked defense. They only allowed 13 points per game. But here's the thing, though. They only beat Michigan by five, Purdue by four, Penn State by six. But I will say this, though. Larry Johnson had 2,000 yards, and 2002 Ohio State shut him down. He only had 66 yards. It's kind of what that Ohio State team not too long ago did to Saquon. Did the same thing. Saquon was coming in hot, shut him down. They shut down Texas Tech, who they were throwing for like 500 yards a game. Cliff Kingsbury threw for like damn near 6,000 yards, and they shut them down. Well, not really, but they beat them by 24. They had five DBs in the NFL. That's insane. No wonder why they weren't giving up that many points. Their DBs were locking shit down and probably, and they weren't giving up many rushing yards. They gave up less than 100 yards a game. Because their defense is so good, I'll pro- I'll give them the edge. I'll give, I'll, I'll stick with 2007 LSU because, listen, they had two losses. They snuck in the title game. They needed Missouri and West Virginia to lose. They lost to unranked Arkansas, whose best player was Darren McFadden. I don't think they had anybody else. I think they had Matt Jones. They did beat. Now, the thing about that 2017, 
They were battle tested. They beat seven out of eight ranked teams. And now that I look at that, I can't really say they're that bad because they, out of all their wins, yeah, they lost twice, but they got seven ranked wins, bro. Seven. That is insane. That's definitely more than freaking 2002 Ohio State and 2010 Auburn. Um, I really want to say they're even better than freaking 2016 Clemson. Okay, I'll, I'll change my answer. Oh, man, I, I'm going to go with Auburn with a slight edge over 2002 Ohio State because Ohio State's defense was unreal. And by the way, some people said 2011 Alabama, they only allow 8.2 points per game. That's probably the best defense I've ever seen in my life on paper. 8.2 points per game. They only allowed 21 points once, and that was the Georgia Southern. Like, wow. They won every game by double digits. They only allowed 100 yard, 111 pass yards per game and 72 rushing yards per game. You got to be kidding. Unreal. Unreal. So if I had to rank the worst champion since 1997, it'll be... 2010 Auburn, 2002 Ohio State, 2007 LSU, 2016 Clemson. And a lot of people said 2015 Alabama, but Derrick Henry was so amazing. That makes them better than them other teams, than some of them other teams on there. Um, uh, as far as number five on that list, I guess I can go with maybe 2006 Florida. Either 2006 Florida or 2017 Alabama because every time they run on the road, they weren't that good. And they barely made the title game. So there you go. My answer to the worst uh, champion in the last 24 years, 2010 Auburn. And they were still really good. They shut down Oregon, who was scoring like 50 points a game. So that, that was pretty good. Now... Okay, so what's next here? All right, quick takes, quick takes. Here we go. Jared Porter. In 2016, he was down bad. That brother was starving. Yeah, that brother's starving. <laughs> Newly hired GM for the Mets. And, you know, they was off to a good start. You know, they got Lindor, they got Carrasco. Looked like they was on a roll. And then this happened. You know, uh, Mina Kimes and Jeff Passan exposed a bunch of uh, sexually explicit texts he sent to a reporter. He sent 63 texts. Bruh, after a girl ignores me once or twice, most likely most of the time once. If I don't know them that well, they ignore me one time, I'm done. If they ignore me twice or three times, it's because, you know, I allow that because we, we build some sort of bond or connection. But after that, I'm done. There's no way I'm allowing them to ignore me more than three times. I got too more pride, too much pride. And plus, you know, I don't, I don't know any girl that's worth it like that, man. Sixty-three tech, like press, like why? Like she couldn't have been that great. I, like I, like I know she's kind of engaging him with him with a little bit, but then it turned into harassment. And you know, a lot of women like like Becca Winker or. Are definitely like using that as another example how women in sports get harassed and that that was important i'm glad she brought that up harassment is not good and it, it, you really can mess up 
a woman's like mental health or even a man that that goes through it you can really mess up a person's mental health and that can really mess up their life overall and we can't have that and then mess up your life too because once you get found out you know people going to turn their back on you you're not going to really it's going to be hard to work it's going to mess up your life too so just you know just got to think before you do things i mean but hey that's just what think about the situation i mean uh hopefully learn from this and you know move on to something else and hopefully land on his feet one day but you know harassment's no joke and and it's just a shame what happened to the victim and she finally got the courage to come out and hopefully nothing really happens to her because of that but that brother was starving that that brother was starving. Come on, man. Yeah, that brother's starving. <laughs> Lost your job and everything. Just gotta control the hormones like I do all the time. <laughs> and it's like, yo, it's either, bruh, it's either you just, you just move on to somebody else or you just don't even mess with women for a while like I've been doing lately. <laughs> Oh, man, I spent too much time on this. So now, uh, speaking of women in sports, Sarah Fuller is speaking to, at the inauguration tomorrow. I'm not going to watch the inauguration because it's probably going to be boring. So I'm probably just going to play video games and edit the podcast and work out. I'm probably not going to watch it. Y'all can tell me how it went, though, and if it's any funny memes, you can just post it on Twitter because I'm game for that always. But congrats to Sarah Fuller. She's been having a hell of a six months or or so, or hell of a like past like, I don't even think it's been six months. It's been like three months. She just it first started off with her team winning the SEC title as a six seed. Then then she was kicking on the football team and break broke some glass barriers, and inspired a lot of women there. Then now she's speaking at inauguration. This is just, oh, man, uh, damn. I know she's having the time of her life. And, you know, you can't hate, man. You got to be happy for her. I know she's honored to be in this position. And, and, and good for her. And w- welcome to D.C. I know it ain't normal, but, hey, enjoy your time and come back when it is normal. Thank you very much. And Sarah Thomas. Sarah Thomas is the first, will be the first female referee in football she's gonna be a back judge in the super bowl or down judge in the super bowl and that's uh another glass ceiling breaking because she's the first woman there's not many women reffing in football there's a lot more reffing in basketball so i was it was kind of cool you know it's even even more special because i figured you'd see a woman in the nba finals before you saw a woman in the super bowl but she climbed the ranks. I saw her in that playoff game against the Bucks and with the Bucks and Saints. So I guess that's the best crew. So they take that crew that was in the Bucks and Saints, and they're going to be in the Super Bowl. I think they missed a key face mask. Ah, that was just one play. I guess they've been the best crew all year, and she gets to be on it. And good for her, you know what I'm saying? Good for her. Uh, makes me want to step up my game, you know? Huh. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, man. I'm a mediocre basketball and football ref. And, you know, until I put in the work, that's probably all I'll ever be. (laughs) I'm just saying, yo. So now it's time for 
the hypothetical game of the episode. This week, it is 2019 LSU versus 2020 Alabama. And the reason why I'm doing this is because, well, I guess also after I recorded the episode, Alabama rolled Ohio State because, of course, they did. Um, Devonta Smith went off. I mean, he had 200 yards receiving and three touchdowns in the first half. I mean, you might want to guard that guy. I mean, he won the Heisman, and he was a player of the year. Like, why are you running zone defenses that don't cover him? Like, what are we doing here? And then he got hurt in the second half. He could have easily had 300 yards and four touchdowns. They weren't stopping him. And Alabama rolled. And people, once again, and people were saying, just like with LSU last year, is this the best college team ever? Are they better than 2019 LSU? Of course, LSU fans were like, hell no. (laughs) And, you know, I was thinking, I was like, you know, that's a good question. My gut tells me LSU because I saw them in person and how unbelievable they were. But, you know, I had to run it through what if sports. I had to. I had to. So uh, I don't really do a good job of setting the scene usually, but here we go. LSU, 15-0. The key players, Joe Burrow. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Terrence Marshall, Thaddeus Moss. On defense, you got Delpit, you got Stingley Jr., you got Christian Fulton, you got Caleb Vaughn Chase on. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had 1,400 yards rushing. Burrow had got seven awards. He cleaned up. He got the Maxwell, the O'Brien, the whatever the quarterback award other quarterback award is uh whatever that thing is i forgot oh the davy o'brien he got the play of the year he got the heisman coach o got every coach of the year award uh man he got the senior quarterback award man they were rolling jamar chase got the bullet in the cough because well i mean he had 84 receptions 1780 yards and 20 touchdowns Unbelievable. Grant Del- Delpit got the Jim Thorpe Award. I think that's the best DB. Uh, Justin Jefferson did pretty good, too. 111 receptions, 1,540 yards, 18 touchdowns. Unreal. They had 48 points per game. First in, okay, first in points per game in the country. 32nd in opponent's points per game on defense. But that's fine. I mean, you scoring so much, it doesn't matter. Second-rate passing offense, first-ranked offense overall, and ironically Alabama was second we kind of got a preview of this game that year with Tua at the quarterback position but you know LSU won a close one they really had control late in the game but Alabama had a garbage time touchdown but but LSU controlled that game but yeah hell of a team then you got 2020 Alabama 13 and 0 in a weird COVID late in season games getting canceled Players opting out. Jamar Chase opt out for up from LSU. I mean, it was just crazy. But everyone opted in on their team, and they rolled 13-0. Bodied everybody. Their closest game was Ole Miss. And even that game, they won by double digits. They bodied everybody. 
Oh, oh, their closest game was Florida, which, once again, they had control of the whole game, and Florida had some garbage time touchdowns. Their key players, Mac Jones, Devonta Smith, Najee Harris, Jalen Waddle. I think I said Devontae Smith already, obviously. Alex Leatherwood at tackle. So, defense, Dylan Moses, Christian Harris, Patrick Sertan. Um, 48.5 points per game. Opponents points per game, 19.4. There was 13th in that. Fourth in total offense, third in passing. Matt Jones had 4,500 yards, 41 touchdowns, four interceptions. Incredible. Najee Harris, 1,851 yards from scrimmage, 30 total touchdowns, 26 rushing, 1,400 yards rushing. He got the Dope Walker Award, I believe. Yeah, yep, yep. Devonta Smith, uh, unreal stats, 117 receptions, 1,856 yards, 23 touchdowns. Heisman, every player of the year award, Blitnikoff. Man, Leatherwood got the Outland Trophy. Mac Jones got the Davey O'Brien and Johnny Unitas. Nigel Harris got the Doak Walker, like I said. And, you know, now it's time to rock. Here we go. To start off the game, LSU wasn't playing. To start off, Edwards Hilaire with a run and then Burrow completed a pass to Jefferson for 28 yards. And then he comes back, right back, and throws it to Jamar Chase on a deep curl route for 12 yards. And then um, they get further. Uh, Edwards Hilaire. Edwards Hilaire catches a flare pass and gains 21 yards, gets knocked out of bounds, and they get to the six. And Davis Price punches it in for six yards. LSU up early, 7-0. Actually, 6-0 because Alabama blocked the extra point. Uh, Bama flames out on offense, and they punt it away from their own 46. Uh, LSU bang, bang, bang in Alabama's territory. And then from 33 yards out, Burrow... Hits Chase down the middle. He jukes the safety. Uh, stiff arms the cornerback. Jukes another defender and scores. And now it is 12-0, 13-0 LSU already. It looks like, okay, Bama got an answer. Bama got an answer. They got to quit messing around. But Jones, Mac Jones, throws it, overthrows the receiver, and throws it right to Derek Stingley. He overthrows Devonta Smith and throws it right to Derek Stingley, who runs it to the Bama 26. Um, They were already in – Bama was already in their territory, and they throw that pick. Okay, so then the Bama defense holds strong, credit to them, and LSU kicks a field goal, and now 16-0 LSU. So then, so then Alabama finally gets going. Uh, Harris, <clears throat> Najee Harris gets 11 yards on a draw play. On first and 10, how you fall for a draw on first and 10? Well, I don't know. But that's what he did. 
and LSU got an unnecessary roughness penalty. It was dumb. Got a little frustrated. So that sparks the Bama drive, and they get a field goal, and it's 16-3 to LSU. And that's how the quarter ends. 16-3 LSU in the first quarter. So then LSU comes out. They ain't playing. They draw down the field. Edwards Hilaire on the draw play. Got 15 yards and passed to Marshall and passed to Jenkins. And next thing you know, Curry, I guess the third string running back, 14 yards on a draw, and boom. 22-3 LSU. Field goal is good, 23-3. So Alabama finally wakes up. They drive down the field. They drive down the field after a long kick return to, to their 42. And Jones hits his man, Devonta Smith, on a short pass from the 11. And boom, it is now 23-10 LSU. It's a game now. So now LSU driving again. Going from their own 19 to the 40. And then Burrow gets a short um, a short pass to Thaddeus Moss, who try to fight for extra yards, and is stripped, and Alabama gets it, and they recover the ball. They get it back, and these Bamas go three and out. <laughs> Terrible. Trash. So then LSU gets it back. They drive again. All the way down the field. They just moving the ball at will. But they flame out at the 15. They kick another field goal. It is 26 to 10, LSU. 26 to 10, LSU. So now, all right, so now, end of the half, uh, Bama gets something going. They get a little bit going. They dry down the field. Uh, they use all their timeouts. You know, Mac Jones is clutching this situation. And then Jones. Okay. Then Jones hits Devonta Smith again from 12 yards out after a big pass to Jalen Waddle, by the way. And they score. Devonta Smith, second touchdown of the half because, of course. And the field goal is good. And we're going to the half, 26-17. 2019 LSU. So now, third down. I mean, third quarter. Not third down. Oh, my God. Man. So now, uh, Alabama flames out on offense again. They slow down. They lose their momentum. Uh, Burrow. Burrow hits Jefferson on a post down the middle, and he is leveled by the safety. Helmets get knocked off. He got to come out the game. So then... Uh, once again, they're on Alabama's territory in field goal range until Joe Burrow gets sacked by Christian Barmore, and now they're out of field goal range, and they got a punt. And Alabama, once again, chokes on offense. They don't get past the 50, and they punt it again. Um, the Okay, LSU drives. Uh, don't go very far, and then all of a sudden – Burrow hits Chase down the sideline for 67 yards, and he gets tackled at the Alabama 9, and that is when he throws again to Chase after overthrowing Marshall for a touchdown. He throws it to Chase for a touchdown, and now it is 33, with the extra point being good, 
33-17 LSU. So now Alabama. Here they go. Uh, once again, that man, mama, there goes that man. Devonta Smith at their own, 30, at own 45. He catches a screen pass. He jukes. He uses quickness. He skedaddles to the 25, not 25-yard line, but that was a 25-yard gain, and that sets up an eventual touchdown when Mac Jones hits Michi for a 10-yard touchdown, and we got a game again. It is 33-23. Now it's 33-24. But unfortunately, unfortunately, Burrow once again hits gets a touchdown. Eight seconds to go in the third quarter. Alabama somehow gives up a slant to Jenkins, who runs through the defense and scores for a long touchdown. It's a 70-something yard touchdown. 74-yard touchdown. And now it is 39-24, 40-24, going into the fourth quarter. Just inexplicable. I don't know how you give that up at the end of the quarter. They're loafing. So now it's the fourth quarter. And Alabama's still trying to make this a game. They drive down the field. Uh, Jones hit Michi on a big uh, 21-yard gain that got them to the five. And uh, McKellen punched it in from two yards. And they didn't get the two-point conversion. And now it is 30-40. to 40. They really needed that two-point conversion. 30-40 to 40, Alabama. I mean, 30 to 40 LSU. So now, LSU gets the ball. They drive down the field. Edwards Hilaire, 13-yard run. Edwards Hilaire again from 23 yards out to score, and that's pretty much the backbreaker. 47-30 LSU. Jones trying to make something happen. They're driving down the field, and he is picked off by Michael Divinity Jr., and that is the game. That is the game. 2019 LSU wins 47 to 30. I should have ran this simulation a bunch of more times, but hey, that was fun. And that was the hypothetical game of the episode and the end of the episode. And before I say that, before I say that, next week, 2020, 2019 LSU versus 2011 Alabama. Let's see how that goes. And then the winner will play the winner of the 95 Nebraska versus 2001 Miami matchup. Boy, hypothetical game of the episodes about to be fire the next three weeks. You already know. So I'm out. Peace. And you already know that. Thanks for listening to another episode of the GOAT Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.